The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Okay, so Chelsea, I'm, it's it's been a while. We've done a couple podcasts in the past, right? We have. And for those that don't remember, uh, Chelsea is is one of our leaders of Quorum Ventures, some of our, our new business ventures. And I, I can't remember. Do you remember the topics of the podcast that we did? Ooh, we did one on leadership principles applied okay. to new that, business ventures. That's right. And then... And then some other one. Some other one. Okay. Yeah, it was so great. So the one thing I have to say about Chelsea, uh, she has this son. His name is Graham, and he's he's super cute. When he was younger, he was telling me about this fact that he has a booger wall. Graham, <laughs> Graham, can, Graham, can we cut Graham, this? No, we cannot cut this. He, and, and so Chelsea and your family, oh, like boy. they were scolding him, and it's so funny. So I met Graham, and Graham comes into my office, and I said, I heard you had a booger wall, and he has got this little smile. And I, I said, but you had to stop doing it. He said, yeah. I said, do you have another one? And he gave me this mischievous smile, and he told me, yeah, it's somewhere Wait. else now. Yeah, I, don't, so, I, I still haven't found it. <laughs> Graham, I hope you don't have a booger wall. <laughs> oh, it was actually sad when my grandma was like, you're really making me sleep next to the booger wall. <laughs> <laughs> it became famous. All right, Clay. Well, um, I'm super excited to talk to you about uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm sure you are. You love doing this I stuff, do. Right? I love it. I'm so yeah. good at it, too. <laughs> um, but no, this book has so many great principles. So let's jump right in. Habit one is to be proactive. Why do you think this is so important? Yeah. So habit one for me, I love to ask the question when I go do trainings and and I'll say, how many of you are running your operations and how many of you are run by your operations? And the funny thing is I get really honest responses. People will say, you know what, right now my operation is running me. But it's this idea of being an actor instead of being acted upon. Someone that runs their operation versus someone that is running their operation. Being proactive kind of reminds me of Viktor Frankl. He wrote the, the A Man's Search for Meaning. He was the one that was in a Nazi concentration camp. And, and he had this epiphany. He said that in between stimulus, what happens to us, and response, how we respond to that, we have an ability to choose. And, and that we should choose to focus on what we can and not just the obstacles. Does that kind of make sense? It, Simon Sinek talks about this a lot, too. He says, he says one of the keys to leadership are leaders that are really good at focusing on what they want to achieve and not so much the obstacles. So a skier, a helicopter pilot, take a skier that is trying to ski through some trees. That skier, you, you don't say, watch out for the trees, because if they're watching out for the trees, you know what's going to happen. They're going to hit a tree. If you say, watch out for those wires, watch out for the buildings, that, that's what happens. You start focusing on the obstacle. Proactive people focus on what they want to achieve. They focus on where they want to go. And therefore, you've got to acknowledge the trees are there. Those are brutal facts. 
but you don't focus on the brutal facts. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it makes me think about kind of just how I don't ever want to be a victim to my circumstances, right? Like I, It's hard I, not to be. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but try to focus on what I can control. And like you just said, acknowledge the fact that there are brutal facts and there are things that are going to be obstacles and acknowledging them. But instead of focusing on them, I try to ask myself, well, what can I do about it? Or you know, what decision can I make? Because there really is something we can always do. Yeah. Think about operations like in, in the recent past when I said, well, why aren't we having these great orientation programs? Why aren't we onboarding more effectively? Well, it's because of COVID. We're focused on COVID. And so the obstacle is what's stopping us. What's the path? It's customer second. It's onboarding. Um, Covey says that highly effective people understand that they have control over their actions and responses, regardless of external circumstances. Focus on what you can control and what you want to accomplish and stop dwelling on the uncontrollable. Stop. I mean, the leader, my building is too small. My operations in a rural area, it has a bad reputation. All these things that maybe they're true, but if you're going to be proactive, you've got to focus on the path and what you want to get done. So that's habit number one, be proactive. I like that. Thanks for explaining that a little bit more. Uh, So habit two, begin with the end in mind. Uh, Why is this habit so important for us to have? I sometimes ask the question, what do you want said about you at your funeral? What do you want on your epitaph? Uh, What do you want said at your retirement party? How do you really want to be remembered? And to focus on that and then go and behave in a way that will validate what you want your legacy to be. I, I love the story of Sean Payton. You know, he, he won a Super Bowl with the uh, New Orleans Saints. And he did this thing where he was beginning with the end in mind. And one of the things that um, he brought in the Super Bowl trophy, he let all the players kind of touch it and look at it. And then he put, I think it was at the time, $220,000 in cash around that Super Bowl trophy because every player on the winning team of the Super Bowl at that time received that amount. And so uh, when when they were looking at it and touching it, he was saying, I want you to picture this. I want you to picture us winning this trophy. I want you to begin with the end in mind. Is that kind of like um, in Atomic Habits where they talk about, you know, not having a goal of I want to lose weight, but instead say I am a healthy person. And- the, the power of identity. It is very similar because when you begin with the end in mind, what you're saying is, I want to have this identity of my legacy, right? And now go and behave that way. Instead right. of so saying, what are the steps we need to yeah. take to get there? Yeah. And instead of saying, I don't want a cigarette, you're saying, I'm not a smoker. And that's the most effective way to quit smoking. And, and it, it is. It's, uh, you know, if effective people have a very clear vision of their desired destination. Not necessarily the path. They don't quite, you know, it's not like you spell out you know, how we want to get there. When the entity of Ensign Group was started, it was the concept, it was to bring dignity to uh, an industry that hasn't had it, right? Not quite sure how to get there. Some core values that were going to guide decisions, but it, but it's just having that clarity. And it's similar to the advantage. And if you get a chance, it's podcast number 50. It's called The Advantage of True Culture, where you talk about that even better. Go and read the book, right? Uh, it teaches us questions that, that your team should ask to get clarity on. And the concept of the advantage is it, the culture, health, healthy organizations will always be advantageous to even smart people or whatever. But questions you want to ask, why do we exist? Um, 
to bring dignity to post-acute care or whatever industry we serve through moments of truth. How do we behave? Well, we're going to follow customer second. We're going to follow love one another. What do we do? How will we succeed, right? This is the strategy. What's important? Uh, what's most important right now? Those are rally cries. And who should be doing what? Far too many of us lead teams who have no idea the answers to these questions. Do your facility, do your operations folks know the answers to all of those questions? If we don't, we aren't beginning with the end in mind and we'll just never be as effective if we're not doing that. If we're just, what is it, the the um, Alice in Wonderland, right? There's some character that's saying, well, which path do I take? And the question was, well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Well, then it doesn't matter. You're never going to know the path if you don't know the end. Yeah, it's something we've spent a lot of time discussing in the teams I partner with. You know, when you think about new business ventures and us kind of creating quorum, I remember sitting in a room like, why are all of these business lines coming together and what are we doing? And when we don't know why or why we exist and what we're yeah. working towards, we we care less about each other. But then once you have that common vision or that common end goal, uh, yeah, you, I, you tend to care a lot more. <laughs> I remember being with you in some of those meetings and asking the leaders, what what is the purpose of your entity? It can't be to make money. It can't be to grow. It can't be. It can, honestly, it can't even be to be the best. You know, if you go back and listen to the most recent podcast, we talk about that. Simon Sinek talks about that in The Infinite Game. It has to be for a just cause. And if you don't know that just cause, then you're going to lack direction and you're, and you're not providing the leadership that you need to. It's a, also a good exercise to revisit kind of regularly because, you know, you just mentioned what's most important right now. Uh, that might change. And, and this third habit kind of follows that yeah. with put first things first. Uh, yeah. I remember a time you saying, you know, it wasn't until recently the word priority became plural. Um, and when you try to prioritize everything, um, it kind of loses when its meaning. everything's important, yeah, nothing, nothing is, is right? So it loses yeah. its meaning. Um, so what, what are some of your thoughts on putting things first? So there's an old movie called City Slickers that I remember when I was young. You're probably too young for this, so I won't get into that. Uh, but there, there's this guy named Curly, and he's driving these city slickers, uh, driving a herd of cattle with them. They're getting the the country experience, right? And he and this Curly's, I'm not going to, you know, I don't even remember what the guy's name is. Jimmy, you know what the secret to life is? You know, and he's got this sort of uh, raspy voice and he holds up his finger. And the guy says, your finger? And he says, no, one thing. And he says, well, what? What is it? What's that one thing? And he says, that's what you have to figure out. I, I, and he says, that's the secret to life. When you figure out what your priority is and it changes situation to situation, right? And honestly, I think if it's the same answer all the time, look, I need to be a good dad. I need to be a good employer. I need to be a good employee. And sometimes I have to choose which I do. And if I'm always choosing one, I'm probably going to eventually make the wrong decision, right? But your job as a leader is to figure out what are the first things that need to go first. It's the it's the training. And Spencer did this in an annual meeting a while ago, and it, and it really you know took on legs of its own and the sample of the big rocks that Stephen Covey does. He has rocks, he has little rocks, he has he has sand, and he has water. But if you put the little rocks in first and then try and put in the big rocks, then you don't can't fit everything in. And the whole concept of this is if you focus on the big rocks first, then scatter in the little rocks, then the sand, then the water, 
it it will fit and it will work, but you have to start with the big rocks. To be effective, you have to prioritize and achieve your most important goals instead of constantly reacting to urgency. So ask yourself right now as a leader, am I reactive? Going back to the first habit, right? Proactivity and reactivity. Am I reacting? Am I, am I responding? Or am I putting the big rocks first and am I determining my path? Yeah. And even thinking, you know, personal life things too. And when, when you say, oh, I don't have time to call my friend or I don't have time to exercise or, I mean, the reality is you have time for the things that you make important. And if if it is important to you, you'll, you'll put that big rock in first. That's absolutely true. <laughs> and and things that matter most must never be at, at the mercy of things that matter least, right? And that's what happens, right? We do, we do this all the time. I, you know, if you, you're watching TV and your kid wants some attention and that's, that's putting things that matter least at the mercy of things that matter most. And, you know, a, you, a good question to ask yourself is what is the one thing that, that if you did consistently would make a huge difference in your life or in your work or in your family, go do that thing, figure, figure that out and, and actually do it. This, this is where you've, you've done this. I, I think recently you did this, right? Uh, Stephen famously gets in the urgency and importance quadrants. And it, I know it's hard in a podcast, but if you can picture a quadrant where going to the right importance gets bigger and going up urgency gets bigger. And so there are things that are not urgent and not important, which are a waste of time. There are things that are urgent, but important, which are kind of the whirlwind we live in. We need to learn to live in the non-urgent, but very important. This is the leadership development piece. This is the orientation piece. This is, uh, you know, customer second champions. And the more we're able to live in the important, but non-urgent quadrant, the more effective we're going to be as leaders. Yeah, we did do that. In fact, yesterday, um, really talking about how do we stay out of the whirlwind, the things that are controlling us and telling us what our day looks like, and then how do we stay in that more important quadrant where it's the goals that we're setting and making sure that we're focused on the things that are going to help progress us and elevate us. And but that's hard because we feel like we're victims to that whirlwind, right? And 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 we always will be until we learn to put first things first, begin with the end in mind, be proactive. All of these things are sort of building on each other. And when you learn to live in that quadrant, then the whirlwind dissipates. It, it, it becomes lighter and lighter. So habit four is think win-win. Uh, I think this discussion is kind of like the abundance versus scarcity mentality. Uh, and yeah. it really seems like it's a crucial piece of our model if we're going to live the cluster model, right? Yeah. Um, think of it this way. If, if you some, sometimes leaders are trying to get the most out of their employees, almost like they're a, a wet rag that they're trying to wring as much as they can out of their employees. And and we do this with our vendor relationships, you know, our vendor partners, other things like that. When we deal with people, when we deal with vendors, when we deal with partners, are we trying to win? Again, this goes back to the last podcast. Maybe that's, it's still fresh on my mind, but this idea that the zero sum game, the, the, Charlie Sheen, hashtag winning, the, the Donald Trump, the art of the deal, and, and I think even a book by uh, uh, the former CEO of GE, uh, Welch, he, he wrote a book on winning. Mm -hmm. That's all scarcity mentality. And he's saying we've got to switch that. Uh, we, we need to get to the best deal possible for all parties, 
right? It's a real topic in Quorum right now, especially. I mean, most of our business lines are service lines or vendors to our Enzyme affiliated SNFs. And when we have that mentality of I need the best deal, nobody really wins. But when we have the mentality of how can I help you and how can you help me and how can we partner together, it's so much better. And not only is the service better, but the quality of care and the experience that we're providing to everyone is so much better. So everyone wins. Yeah, everything changes. It's not It's not like you're acquiescing. It, it might be, lo- you ha- might be having to think longer term, right? I mean, I I feel like we learned that lesson the hard way when, because PMD is not in labs, right? And and a lot of the, our partners were saying, well, just get as much as we, the best bargains we can from our lab vendors without, and then the labs all went out of business and people were left without a vendor partner. You have to care about their success. Thinking win-win builds trust as your partners believe you care about them succeeding. You both can succeed. And that's the abundance mentality. And by the way, when that happens, I mean, I love this quote from the the Dalai Lama. He says that if there isn't trust in a relationship, show genuine caring. Once they know you genuinely care, trust will come. That's that's the whole was the whole point of Ubuntu. That's the point of looking outward, what we've been talking about. Once you know that they genuinely care, trust comes and and you'll read, you know, uh, Stephen M. R. Covey, who's going to be with us at, at our annual meeting, he, his all about that trust. And you learn the value and the speed that comes from trust and wanting everyone to succeed. Stop just trying to win. If you're really good at helping other people be successful, you will be more successful. If you're willing to look outward, it will come back to you. I'm not quite sure how it works, but it does. And that's the whole cluster philosophy. And and, and I, I'd add to that too. It's this sort of phrase of caring over competition. We're not trying to beat people. We need to seek for mutually beneficial solutions, not winning, Um, where there's, you know, plenty of success for everyone versus the scarcity mentality of thinking that, you know, that that tells us I can only win if you lose. Right. Um, Stephen Covey, the father in, in Back to Seven Habits, also emphasizes the significance of empathetic listening and understanding you know, the needs and concerns of others to create win-win solutions. And it's both personal and professional relationships. You don't, you don't win or lose in relationships. You don't, right? It's, it's trying to figure out how can I make my friend, my partner the happiest, and that's what will bring you the greatest happiness. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that Infinite Game podcast. I actually just finished listening to it this oh, morning. Good. Thank so. you. I'll send, send you your check. <laughs> and what you're, you're not saying to not compete, but you're saying to not compete against others because it's okay to compete against yourself and want to be better and continuously improve. And and that's ultimately the win-win. And what you said about the trust and really understanding and listening leads to habit number five, to first understand, then be understood. Uh, So why does this matter? Um, do you ever remember the funny video I used to play of of the uh, the comedian that was a therapist and a lady comes in and she says, um, I'm afraid of being buried alive in a box. Stop it. Yeah. And, that, and that's his response. He says, this, this isn't going to take more than five minutes. And he listens to her. And then when she's done, he says, all right, are you done? I've got your solution. Stop it. And he just starts yelling at her. Stop. Like, he's right. She shouldn't be afraid. That's the solution. But obviously the lady did not feel, I mean, do you think that helped her? It didn't seem like it helped Stop her. Stop it. It's a skit. Yeah, I know. 
makes not work. Is that you do that as a mom? Graham, <laughs> yeah, stop, stop picking it. your nose and wiping it on the wall. <laughs> Knock it off. This is how we act a lot. You know, why Why stop it? Because I said so. I'm your mother. I don't, you don't need to be understood by me. I just need you to do what I, what I say. And, and this is how we act. I, I work with service center resources a lot. They become so frustrated with the field's lack of understanding of what they do. Then I work with the field a lot who become so frustrated by the lack of understanding of the service center resources and what they do. And as somebody who has been in both roles that, that feels like he can empathize a lot more with what... Look, in, in one meeting, I actually said to these resources, I said, do you feel like the executive director thinks you understand and empathize with all they're dealing with? And every single person in that meeting, I was in the training room over here, every single person in that meeting said, no, I don't, I don't think they do. And I'm sure the ED would have admitted the same thing. Like, do they understand what the resource that goes through? And do they even care about it? Think of how much it influences a person when they feel deeply understood as to their needs and perspectives. Um, now back to Stephen Covey, the son in Speed of Trust, he says, generally, as long as a person is communicating with high emotion, he or she does not feel understood. A person will usually not ask for your advice until he or she feels understood. So before we start trying to give all of our solutions, and I'm a hypocrite here, I understand that. I that's my little caveat. We need to become better at listening and seeking to understand before being understood. Yeah, this is uh, this one can be hard. I just actually had this very experience with an operator that I support, and we just kept talking over each other, and we we're very passionate and about being understood, really wanting to be understood. But you don't understand me, and you don't understand me. And <laughs> it wasn't until we, you know, took a step back and said, "Okay, wait, what are you trying to say?" How do I understand you better and your perspective? And once we did that, we realized, well, we're actually saying the same thing. Yeah. And so how do we it's hear powerful. each other? Yeah, it's powerful. Good and when you when you trust someone and you understand their perspective, things can really happen a lot faster. We wasted time talking over each other. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, um, okay, so habit number six, synergize. What does that mean? Yeah, this is accountants love this one, right? It's where one plus one equals three. That that just doesn't work. It does, you know, you know, accountants. <laughs> oh wait, what they you can want make the number to any be? Any <laughs> number that you need it to be. Just put in your order. Synergy is the creation of something greater through the collaboration of diverse individuals and ideas. Right. So, so it's. Think of people climbing to a mountain peak, but there are different parts of the trail. They can see the mountain peak from different angles, and with their different perspectives, they can triangulate where they need to get. It's a, it's a great principle. Again, I'm going to promote episode 45 on constructive discontent. Uh, there's an episode 16 on cognitive diversity. and, and then Lots episode, of plugs here. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I don't make any more money for any more listeners, but but it's it's the principles that are, that are being retaught that... By valuing differences and seeking out diverse perspectives, effective people can generate innovative solutions and achieve mar remarkable results. I've talked to John Albrechtson about this. Where studies done at, 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 I believe it was Harvard and MIT or somewhere in Boston, right, where they were, where they were saying um, that when you have these diverse perspectives, you come up with more better solutions than with that uniformity because you can almost triangulate those ideas. So that cognitive diversity – 
really matters. We should seek out others. But isn't it easier to work with people that are like you or go to people that are like you and think like you when you're seeking advice? When you go to the gym, isn't it easier to just bench press the bar or to turn the treadmill? It is much easier. But do you attain more with that strain? It's like a rubber band. I mean, too much of the conflicting opinion, rubber band snaps, right? But you do, for the rubber band to have that value, there it needs to stretch. There needs to have that uh, cognitive diversity or cognitive tension, I guess you could say. And that's why we need to seek that out. We need... With, without, it helps some, lead to better decision-making. You, you understand different perspectives. You're not just looking through one lens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I talk to leaders that that say, um, well, I just I had to let go of this person because they were of the wrong culture. So I'm like, wait a second. What does that does that mean? They see the world differently than you do? Because if so, that's good. And that that uh, kind of I want to say tension. I, I don't want to say contention. Right. But that that tension is something that really, really matters. And it again, healthy conflict, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And I know i said this way too many times, but healthy conflict is the passionate pursuit of truth void of ego. Thanks for mouthing that answer as I said it. But, <laughs> but I think it's a good answer. Not right? debate for debate's sake. Right. I mean, it is you're 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 pursuing truth. Right. And, and we have like I feel like EDs and DONs almost need to embrace that cognitive diversity with each other much more than shy away from it. I think we'd be a lot more successful I think even when, you know, for me personally, when I'm thinking of who I'm going to go ask for feedback from, uh, it's much easier to ask someone that I know is going to give me the answer yeah, I want to hear. Yes, validation. Mm-hmm. But but if you intentionally try to go to someone that you know thinks differently than you. Uh, I have someone that used to be on one of my teams. You know who you are, and I hope you're listening, but uh, that, that came into me very upset saying, I don't fit in with this team. I'm so different. I'm worried. And I just said, that's why I have to have you. Right. Okay. Well, we've made it to the final habit. (laughs) Habit number seven, sharpen the saw. Wasn't it like Abraham Lincoln or something? I don't know. I think it was. If I had eight hours. Chop down a cherry tree or that that was Washington? I don't know. And I think that actually never happened. That's a fictitious story. Anyway, I don't know that I got it right. But anyways, he spends a lot of time sharpening a saw, whoever that said that. Um, So what is this? Yeah, he said if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd probably spend six to seven of those uh, sharpening the saw rather than just. This is the thing we're often too busy to take time for. It's it's fairly similar to living in quadrant two uh, in the important but not urgent. But it's the example of being too busy to try and get somewhere that you don't take the time to fill your car with gas. Again, something I know you hear me say too much, but. That's bad. We we have to make time in our lives and with our teams for renewing activities. And I'm not just talking about me time and getting away time. I'm talking about developing each other and these principles that we believe in. It's it's listening to a podcast uh, separately and then coming together as a team and discussing what is it that we need to fix. The final habit centers around personal renewal and growth. Um, you know, the, the saw gets dull over time and due to repetitive use to maintain effectiveness, individuals and teams have to invest that time in things like self-care, continuous learning, personal development, all these other things. And it needs to be the whole person. You know, the complete person is, is physical, is mental, is spiritual, is social, emotional. It's all those different aspects make up the complete person. And by nurturing these aspects of life, individuals can enhance their overall well-being and sustain long-term effectiveness. 
Um, can I say a few more podcasts? <laughs> so, so podcast <laughs> episode 34. Again, it all, this no, all yeah, ties no, it together, all ties right? Together, it is. Uh, uh, pop, podcast episode 34 is all on guarding mental uh, health, right? And 21 is on heart rate variability. Why did we spend time on these things? We, uh, you know, you think of annual meeting that we're about to all go to. I mean, close to, I guess I probably shouldn't say what we spend on it, but a lot of money that we spend on it, it's to sharpen the saw. Um, and honestly, it reminds me of, of the story of our first CFO that, that, you know, in a secret meeting with a bunch of people saying, we spend way too much time on this, I'll, I'll insert words for him, this sharpening the saw stuff without doing the real work. And he said all of it, two walked out and never came back. We've learned through the history of our organization how important taking the time to sharpen the saw is. So make sure you're doing that as a leader. Well, we all need to be recharged, reengaged, inspired, um, whatever you want to call it. And these are some really helpful reminders and tips of how to take care of the whole body. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, Chelsea, thanks for doing it. Hey, will you make sure and uh, talk to Graham and let, have him yeah, come and let me know where his booger wall is? check every wall in my house yeah, now. But yeah, thanks, right. Clay. I appreciate it. 